Christmas 1914, there was a truce called during the First World War. A truce between the Allied forces and the German and the, the Axis forces as they're known in history. German and Allied soldiers exchanged gifts on that Christmas Eve. They sang Silent Night. They even had a football match together. And folks, the only sad thing is that they went back to their fighting. The truce of Christmas 1914. Do you know in Revelation chapter 10, there's a truce. God calls a truce in the war that he has started against rebellious man. In the previous chapters, chapters 6, 7, 8, and 9 of Revelation, we have been thinking about how God is at war with those who have rejected his Son. And the reason why God is at war with those who have rejected his Son is because those who have rejected his Son have declared war on God by doing that very thing. You see, that's really what started it all off. Fallen man, wicked men, rejecting the gospel of Christ. And they rejected it once too often, and it came to the point whenever the trumpet sounded, and uh, the great tribulation started. And uh, we spoke at at the beginning of the service today, Of the day whenever Jesus will come and he will take his people home and the rest will be left behind. If you're not a Christian, mark my words, you're going to be left behind to face the horrors of the great tribulation. Do you think it's bad today? And mind you, it is. Vaccine passports. You do know that during the Second World War, Hitler and his Nazi cronies brought in a health pass. They say history never repeats itself. I'm not so sure about that. Even in Germany today, they are segregating the unclean, you would say. Vaccinated, unvaccinated. Uncanny resembl- uh, an uncanny resemblance, a very frightening resemblance to the days whenever Hitler declared the Jews unclean and he said that these Jews spread typhoid, virus spreaders, So we're going to put them into ghettos. And we all know what happened from there. But that could never happen again. I don't know. All I'm saying is, folks, it is awful to think of the things that are happening today 
And mind you, in our country, we're, we're pretty sheltered compared to some of the things that are happening in other countries in the world. And I could spend the rest of the message this morning telling you about the things that are happening today in the world. Tyrannical governments bringing in laws that are taking away people's freedoms. What did the, what did the pro-choice movement cry a few years ago? My body, my choice. But nobody's allowed to say that today. Now, let me be clear this morning. I, I don't care whether you get vaccinated or not. That is your business. That is none of my business. And by the same token, whether I get vaccinated or not is my business and nobody else's business. That's what we call freedom. Freedom of choice. And let me tell you good folks today, do you know what the currency of freedom is? Blood. Blood. That's what the currency of freedom is. The freedoms that we have in our nation or that we had in our nation were bought with the blood of our forefathers. Blood is the currency of freedom. That's why we value it so much. But we will look around us today and we think things are getting bad. But let me tell you, friends, that things are going to get an awful lot, a lot worse, an awful lot worse. And I tell you, they're going to get an awful lot worse when the trumpet sounds, when Jesus comes to take his people home, and when the great tribulation begins. And that's what we have been looking at in recent times. The Lord declaring war on wicked men. That's what happens during the great tribulation. And so the Lord begins his judgments. And that's what we have been meditating on in recent weeks. But here in chapter 10, it's like a truce or a lull, we could say. That's, prob that's probably a better word. It's a lull in the war. It's a, a temporary ceasefire. But the war is going to start again. And the judgments are going to fall again. And they're going to intensify and get worse and worse. And when the seventh trumpet blows, that'll usher in the seven vials or the seven bowls, we would say. And those are the ultimate judgments on those who have trampled upon the blood of God's Son. And what an awful thought it is that those who have done just that, trampled on the blood of Jesus and despised his gospel, they're going to experience those seven bowls of awful judgment. And for them, it's only the beginning because then after that, it's the great white throne of judgment. And those awful words, depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire. The lake of fire. 
the end of those who reject the gospel. It'd be an awful thing, you know, to be to, to come to church every Sunday and then to end up in hell with atheists, you know, and sodomites and, and uh, child abusers. And boy, it'd be awful to be in hell with people like that, wouldn't it? But I tell you, there's going to be church goers in hell with people like that. That's the reality. I saw the wicked dead who had come and gone from the place of the holy. Isn't that what Ecclesiastes tells us? People who had come and gone from church. But they ended up in hell. But we're still in the day of grace. And that ought to be music to your ears, those of you who are not right with God. And you can come to him today. Forget about all the lies the devil whispers to you. Just, 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 just forget about all those barriers that he puts in your place. All those hypocrites in the church that he, he loves to tell you about. Why would you become a Christian? Because the, the church is full of hypocrites. Well, the world out there is full of hypocrites, but that's by the by. But Jesus isn't a hypocrite. Jesus is not a hypocrite. And he's the one you need to come to today to avoid this awful great tribulation and, and then eternity in hell. The lull, there's a calm before the final storm here in chapter 10 of Revelation. I want us, folks, today to divide this chapter into two. And we have, first of all, in verses 1 to 7. And I want us to read that now. Verses 1 to 7 of Revelation 10. And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea, and his left foot on the earth, and cried with a loud voice as when a lion roareth. And when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered, and write them not. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven. And swear by him that liveth forever and ever who created heaven and the things that therein are. And the earth and the things that therein are and the sea and the things which are therein that there should be time no longer. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel when he shall begin to sound the mystery of God should be finished as he hath declared to his servants the prophets.
This mighty angel that we have read about is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. It's, it's the Lord Jesus here. And what I want you to focus on for a moment or two is his feet. His feet, verse 1, notice the end of it. His feet as pillars of fire. His feet. We're told that this angel, he descends from heaven to the earth. And you'll notice it there in verse 2. And he had in his hand a little book open. And he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot on the earth. His left foot on the earth. Think about the left foot of the lovely Lord Jesus for a moment. The left foot is planted on the earth. Do you know the prophet Zechariah tells us there's the day coming. Read it when you go home. Zechariah chapter 14. He's going to set his feet on the Mount of Olives. Hallelujah. When he comes with ten thousands of his saints. He's going to come and he's going to make a beeline for Israel. You know that wee country that a lot of the Arab nations around it want to just uh, drive into the Mediterranean Sea. He's going to go there and nobody's going to drive it into the sea. It's not going to be wiped off the face of the, the, the earth. No, it's going to be there until he comes. He's going to go to the Mount of Olives according to the prophet. And this is like a mirror image here. Zechariah chapter 14, Revelation chapter 10. He sets his foot on the earth. Oh, I love, his, I love that foot. In fact, I love both feet of the Lord Jesus. Because you see, those feet were pierced for me. Ah, those pierced feet. Psalm 22, they pierced my hands and my feet. Those lovely feet that went around doing good. His reign shall know no end. And round his pierced feet, fair flowers of paradise extend. Their fragrance ever sweet. The feet of Jesus will be set upon the earth someday. And we who are saved, we will fall like those first disciples who met him on the resurrection morning. And they fell at his feet and worshipped him. And we will do the same. But it says here that, he, that his right foot was set upon the sea. He set his right foot upon the sea, Revelation 10 and, and 2. He's good at that, you know. The Lord Jesus is good at walking on the sea, isn't he? We've, we've sung about it already. In that lovely hymn that we had just a, a few... Moments ago, he who walked, he who made the raging billows walked upon the sea. 
Still can hush our wildest tempest as on Galilee. Tell me this, child of God, are you going through a wild tempest at the present time? Is loneliness crushing you? Is a broken heart leaving you in despair? Do you miss a loved one? And you think it's never going to end, that pain in your heart. Are you worried about the future? Is there a tempest at home that the pastor knows nothing about? Is there a tempest in your soul? Are you being attacked by the devil day in, day out, the fiery darts? Maybe you're full of anxiety, full of tension, hypertension that's tearing you apart. He can hush the tempest. Jesus can do it. Because he set his feet upon the Sea of Galilee and walked upon the sea as if it was a pavement. And one day he's going to set his foot upon the sea once again. Hallelujah. He's going to descend. He's going to come down. Isn't that what we sung at the very beginning? Oh, I shall see him descending the sky coming for me for me this mighty angel even our Lord Jesus Christ this is like a trailer in this portion these seven verses it's like a trailer you know how a film a movie there has a trailer a few minutes just to sort of whet your appetite for for the real thing well here's the trailer of The coming of the Lord Jesus, the second coming to the earth in these verses. Has it whetted your appetite for his coming? Over later on in Revelation, we will be given more details about his coming. It will be described in greater detail. But this is just like a preview here. But oh, what a thought that the feet of our Savior that are just like pillars of fire, one day they will rest upon the Mount of Olives. I've been there. Some of you have been there too. And wouldn't you like to go back? Maybe you say, I don't know whether I'll ever ever get back the way things are in the world at the minute. I want to tell you, brother, sister in the Lord, you're going back someday to, to Israel. You're going to Jerusalem someday, and so am I. And Jesus will be there. And we will fall at his feet. And, and wasn't it Queen Victoria who said that she would the day that she meets the Lord Jesus, she would t- remove the crown from her head and Leave it at his feet. Cast her crown at the pierced feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you do know that Queen Victoria said to a little lady in, in, in the cottage in, at Balmoral, she, she was asked, Ma'am, will you be in heaven someday? What are you trusting in? And she replied, Yes, I, I will be, for I'm trusting in the precious blood of Jesus. What about the end of Revelation chapter 10, verses 8 to 
8 to 11. Let's read them just before we finish. Revelation 10, verse 8. And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again and said, Go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it and eat it up, and it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And they took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up, and it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. Here's the commissioning of the Apostle John. And remember, this man is on a a prison island in the middle of the Mediterranean, Patmos. Do you ever feel like you're in a prison? Do you ever find the going tough? Well, here's John, and he knows all about that kind of experience. But John is commissioned here. The Lord tells him, John, I have a work for you to do. Your work's not finished yet. And good folks, I want to encourage you today, those of you who are saved, that the Lord has a work for you to do. Now, I don't know what the work is, because that's, uh, that's up to the Holy Spirit. But what you and I need to do is just get before him in prayer and say, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Is there something, Lord, I can do for you in these days to build up the church? Is there something, Lord, I can do to maintain the unity in the church? What can I do, Lord, to be a blessing in the church? The Lord Jesus here, he he, um, commissions John and he says, first thing you need to do, John, is take the book. Take the book. Verse 8, go and take the little book. Verse 9, take it. Verse 10, I took the little book. You know, the greatest need of Christian church today is to take the book. Need to take the book again. Need to obey this book. We need to get back to the Bible. Doesn't matter what, what, what ensues, doesn't matter the consequences, but just get back to the Bible, take the book, read the book, get into it, and obey it. And that is the duty of every individual Christian. It's the duty of, of the, the church, the local church. It's the duty of the members in the local church. It's the duty of the board in the local church. It's the duty of the minister in the local church. Take the book. And if we do that, all will be well. As was it Dennis Norton used to say that program on TV years ago, uh, all right on the night. It'll be all right on the night. Isn't that the old saying? But just take the book. And John took the book. What, what book was it? Well, it was the Bible. John took the Bible. And we need to do the same. John, take 
this book. But John, taste this book. Taste this book, John. Verse 9, And I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it and eat it up. And it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up, and it was in my mouth sweet as honey, and as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. John tastes the book. No, dear friends, in these days we need to taste the book. We need to savor the taste of this book. Isn't it so easy for the devil to squeeze this book out? Every day can be so busy. Oh, sure, you have to do this and you have to do that and you have to do the other thing. And before you know it, the day's over and you haven't tasted the book. Taste the book. Oh, sure, don't bother going to that service. Don't, don't, don't bother going to that meeting. And you don't go and sure, and then what happens? You haven't tasted the book. Do you know, you just reading this morning that uh, every human tongue has 10,000 taste buds. Isn't it amazing? The Lord Jesus has created us with all these taste buds, thousands of little taste buds. And the amazing thing is as well that they are replaced every two weeks. It's amazing. It, I mean, it, it would blow your mind to think about the, the wonder of the creation and the, uh, the creator and the, what he has created, the human being. All, all the taste buds. Well, we have spiritual taste buds as well. And we need to use them. We need to taste the book. That's why I need to take the time to prepare during the week. And life can be busy, but you just I know I just pray, Lord, will you help me to get away to prepare the spiritual food for the flock? Will you give me something, Lord? And there's times you go to the Lord and you say, Lord, I have nothing for the people, nothing for the flock. You need to give me something, Lord. Please give me something for your people to feed upon, something that they can taste. And it's wonderful, you know, whenever the Lord does answer your prayer and then he gives, he gives you a little taste. You see, folks, I must taste the food before I give it to you and you taste it. What, what chef, what cook would, 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 would uh, cook for people in a restaurant and he wouldn't taste his food or at home? Mommy... When mommy cooks the, the dinner, or if it's daddy, or whoever it is, does that immaterial? Whoever does the cooking. I mean, generally, isn't it the case that whoever cooks, that they, they taste what they're serving up? Especially if it's something exotic, something maybe you've never had before, rather than poison, poison the people that are going to eat the food. It's the same in a restaurant or whatever. Chefs taste the food. And then it's served out. 
knowing that the Lord would give the preachers in our land a taste of his word. And then his people will taste it too. John, take the book, taste the book. But then, John, you've got to finish by testifying of the book. Testify of it. John, you've got to stand up for it. You've got to speak it. And when somebody tells you to do something that the Word of God says you shouldn't do, John, you've got to testify of the book. And when somebody tells you not to do something, John, that the book tells you to do, you've got to testify of the book. That is our duty in this dark and evil day when evil men are waxing worse and worse and when there's a great falling away. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is led for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he hath said? You who unto Jesus for refuge have fled.